And welcome back. Current time is 9 a.m. on the nose on this Wednesday, the 6th of January. And welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program concerning the coronavirus pandemic right here in mid-Missouri. It is brought to you by your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. Our production schedule, as a reminder, we have live episodes Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. If you happen to miss out, no worries. You can find the backdated episodes on our website, also our Facebook profile, and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On the discussion docket this morning, speaking of uh, backdated episodes, you may want to check out some of the previous episodes that we've done uh, concerning the Sewer Shed Project here in mid-Missouri. And I'll be talking with public health advocate Ginny Chadwick about some new data that's been released there. We also want to talk about vaccine availability and do the numbers as usual. Uh, Good morning to you, Ginny. Happy New Year. Good morning, and yes, happy 2021. I, I think a friend of mine posted... Um, you know, we all think that 2020 was bad, right, and that the virus would be done. But somebody reminded us that the virus is now 21 as we move into 2021. And we know what 21-year-olds have access to. So Absolutely. We are far from done with this um, pandemic and um, looking at the numbers. So Matthew Holloway identified over 4,000 new cases of COVID-19 for January the 5th. Um, and 109 deaths. So we're still looking at over 100 deaths per day. And I know I said back in in March that we would see over 100 deaths per day as we peaked, and it just seems surreal, but we are here. So um, the numbers are really inconsistently being reported. Um, The New York Times agrees that Missouri's numbers are inconsistently reported, but we have Matthew Holloway continuing to report the data. So if we look at, you know, just the sheer numbers, um, 4,364 cases identified yesterday, bringing us to 442,000 cases in the state of Missouri. Um, And so our current average is declining just a bit. Um, on our daily cases, our deaths at 109 deaths, that death rate is um, pretty holding steady, I would say. It's, it's not really in a decline, but it's not going up right now. And we were seeing an upward trend for quite a while. And so we, we have maybe a plateau, hopefully a decrease, but it's hard to say. Um, so if we look at what's happening within Boone County, So the county health department reported um, 109 cases yesterday, so still a number over 100 cases per day. And, you know, a a number that I constantly harp on that we are failing in Boone County is our positivity rate. And our positivity rate, unfortunately, went up. It is now the second highest it's ever been at 36.9% positivity rate. That means that over one out of every three people that we test are positive. So we're far under testing what we need to be to identify community spread. One out of every five COVID-19 cases are symptomatic. So if we're only testing those who are symptomatic, we are not catching enough. Um, So Peter, I know that you and I looked at some data. Uh, Do you want to talk about, um, as we have talked in the past about poop. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, I often uh, mention that, uh, no pun intended, we would be expecting a data dump 
uh, from <laughs> the Missouri uh, Sewer Shed Surveillance Project. Um, and we have some great backdated episodes there uh, featuring Dr. Elizabeth Alleman in which she discussed with some of the MU uh, health scientists how this research is conducted. Um, but we'll be posting a link uh, to the Sewer Shed Surveillance Project. Now, they have this wonderful website, which uh, has all sorts of great interactive tools that you can use to um, <clears throat> locate uh, or to, you know, sort of peruse through their data. Essentially, what they're doing, to give everyone a quick reminder, and many who listen to this program do not need one, but messenger RNA in wastewater. This is one way of identifying COVID-19 community spread. Uh, it's, there's a lot that such data does not disclose. Um, it does not disclose, uh, you know, what the actual, uh, uh, infection rate is or necessarily how many people are infected, uh, per populace or something like this. But through extensive study of the wastewater, um, you can look at this, this graph. There's the, the viral load graph, uh, which I'm looking at right now. Again, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> does show, uh, uh, does sort of um, mirror what we're seeing in terms of uh, the data that we report on on a daily basis since this pandemic began. It runs from July uh, through just last month, and you can see uh, the increase in various communities uh, across mid-Missouri. I don't want to get too much into the technical jargon here because they're measuring this in parts per million and uh, so on and so forth. So the numbers may be somewhat misleading. But a nice uh, little graphic here shows you how uh, we have had an increase in a uh, number of uh, messenger RNAs that are uh, <clears throat> distinguishable in our wastewater, which corresponds to an increase in infection rates. What do you have to add to that, Jenny? <laughs> Other yeah, than the fact no, that I this is a great site that everyone should visit. Yeah, I've been clicking around to look at, you know, how are we doing? Um, we do have data collection sites in Jefferson City. So, um, and, and you can see the, the graph there on how that viral load is being um, at Fulton has a collection site. And then obviously we're a collection site here in Columbia. And, you know, my recollection when we talked to the scientists is they are collecting um, sewer samples from several different areas in um, Boone County and in Columbia, and including, you know, they're, they're collecting um, data points from the sewer line that leaves the dorms on campus. So, you know, as we make decisions, they, they're they saying that the, the viral load within the stool samples, you really see maybe a couple weeks before you see that community transmission rate numbers going up. So to use that data to make informed decisions about where we maybe need to do more testing, because we know that there's broad community outbreak or that we need to put in further um, restrictions in gathering. So, you know, right now, Columbia or Boone County really peaked um, around mid-December. Um, I wouldn't say that we're in lots of a decline, but we are in a slight decline. But that, dec that data point is still the second highest data point we've ever been at. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so looking and the, the data, the last data point they reported was December the 20th. So I think that, you know, and as um, Peter, you said, you know, it's in this, these parts per million. So we're, you know, we're going to give it a number 41, which I know doesn't mean much to the listeners right now. But the highest we've ever been at was 47 um, of these um, viral uh, markers. So it 
and this was even, you know, if we look back historically, you know, we peaked a little bit when the students came back into town, right? Mm-hmm. But we we were still under 35 when the students came back to town. So now we're at, you know, over 40. Um, so what it tells us is that based on stool sample data, we are still in that highest part of the curve that we've been in so far. Absolutely. And it is something, as you were uh Approaching this uh, topic a little bit, uh, it can be construed as something of a leading indicator as opposed to a lagging indicator. We have so many lagging indicators in dealing with this uh, pandemic. Uh, in this case, I mean, you can actually see an increase before an increase in the number of infections is reported. We should be cautious, of course. I wouldn't want to make claims that uh, the the individuals engaging in this rigorous research would not want me to make, but it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, it, we do have so few of those early indicators, and this is one of them. You know, and when I talked with Davis Donovan, you know, Connecticut has been using this indicator to make decisions for some time now. Um, we are so excited to finally have this data point accessible to the public. Just one more thing we know publicly what's happening. And so I guess that brings me to the next thing of what do we know publicly that's happening? So, vaccinations. We had a target to vaccinate over 20 million Americans before the end of 2020. Currently, based on New York Times reporting updated January 5th, um, and I will make sure that our listeners have that link because there is amazing interactive data on the New York Times website on vaccine distribution, but we have currently vaccinated less than 5 million people. Remember, our goal was 20 million. We've only vaccinated a quarter of our goal. Um, And then when we look at state by state, how many doses have been distributed to our state and how many shots we've actually given, um, they have it by percentage. So right now, believe it or not, South Dakota is hitting the stop the top percentage of people that have been vaccinated so far, that is only 3.2%. They were given 44,000 doses. They have inoculated 28,000 individuals. Um, North Dakota being up there too, Alaska um, with a 2.6%. And then you keep scrolling down and down on the list. And you get to Missouri where Missouri has... um, inoculated or, you know, vaccinated 1.6% of our population. So we were given 286,000 doses of the vaccine, and we have only distributed or or put into arms 98,589. And, you know, I know that Dr. Alleman is one of those people who we have vaccinated in our community. So I'm guessing that almost everybody within our community right now knows somebody who has gotten the vaccine, but only 34% of the vaccines that we were given to distribute have made it into people. Mm. Well, I mean, we all expected some uh, problems with this rollout, of course. Um, anyone who expected, I mean, I, I recall initially reading about that goal and thinking, okay, um, how are we going to fail to reach that? Because there's all sorts, there's all myriad of technical issues, uh, particularly in a country where, you know, healthcare is, is so unevenly spread out. Uh, but that's still an alarming number. And indeed, we also, we're going to post a, web, a link to an NPR story 
uh, in which, uh, which questions whether or not we're grouping our first responders properly. Um, it is a, a personalized story about a, a certified nursing home assistant, I believe it is, um, mm-hmm. who does not qualify as a first responder. This is somebody who's working with COVID-19 t- patients uh, on a daily basis or people who are you know, at high risk uh, in the high risk group on a daily basis. So um, we haven't really even gotten so much the f- prioritization of vaccine distribution figured out. Uh, so well, not just in this country in, in Germany as well. We're having we're struggling uh, horribly with the with the rollout. We're also coming in way under twenty uh, percent what our what our target should be. Uh, this well, is a process. <laughs> you say that there was gonna, you know you expected challenges and issues, but you know unfortunately with this pandemic we've come to. Um, just it, we have come to expect it, which is it's a disappointment because it's not where we should be and we could be doing better. And so I often hear people ask me the question, like, who can get access to the vaccine right now? And, you know, Missouri has a website, Stronger Together, which, you know, COVID vaccine, um, Missouri dot, dot Missouri dot gov, where you can see who's in phase one, who's in phase two. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, as been reported in the news, Missouri is really on the honor system when you go to get this vaccine and and it's being distributed to health uh, hospitals. Right. So mm-hmm. they were given it to inoculate. We know that the county health departments were given um, some allocations of vaccines. And so priority phase one A would have been all long-term care facility residents and staff and all healthcare workers that have patient facing. And so when, when the state defined healthcare workers as patient facing, they said healthcare personnel or staff who have direct or indirect exposure to COVID-19 and is unable to work from home. Cause I, I've heard people say, well, I know somebody who does telehealth in town and they were able to get the vaccine. <laughs> um, so that, you know, the state's definition, direct or indirect exposure to COVID-19 and unable to work at home as long as they're a health care personnel or staff. And so then we say, well, who all is that, right? And what does it mean? And this is just for Missouri. The, where it gets really confusing is the CDC has different guidelines on where we should prioritize and who gets the vaccine. You know, and, you know, they're classifying 1A person being still healthcare personnel in long-term care um, residential facilities, and then 1B being our uh, frontline essential workers. Well, this isn't a really interesting discussion and question in that who is the very first person to get to your house, Peter, if you have a 911 health emergency? Police and fire department, yes. Yes, exactly. So those are really, if I think about my frontline health care workers, the firefighters are going to be the first one in your door. You know, I've called 911 very infrequently, but I remember when my daughter, who just turned 18, was a little infant, and she decided to climb up on a rocking chair and rock herself 
standing and fell off and clonked herself good um, and was bleeding uncontrollably. And I, you know, called 911 and the firemen were the very first ones in my house. And, you know, that's the case in most of Boone County. Yet we have yet to inoculate or even make it accessible to them. Mm-hmm. Um so, it, is, it is alarming. I mean, the, the thought of these vaccines remaining in, in cold storage where it uh, costs an exorbitant amount of money to keep them there <laughs> and, and not being put into use is, is certainly very, very disturbing. Um, perhaps we can, uh, in, in future shows, I mean, I, I would be incredibly curious to know uh, how this is being handled on a local political level because uh, presumably there could be... Uh, presumably you could step in and say, I mean, okay, these, there has to be a choreographed inoculation program uh, that includes uh, not just phase one, phase one, a phase two, a, but okay, we'll just keep going down the list to inoculate people. uh, Even if they're, you know, the priority people aren't available for inoculation right away. I mean, what could it hurt? Could it? Well, and that's the, no, that's the question that Elizabeth and I have been asking is, okay, so, you know, MU Healthcare is reporting that they have inoculated 5,000 um, staff members so far for first rounds. And that um, I have seen people post that their second round inoculation is coming up um, this next week. Remember that the, the Pfizer vaccine is given 21 days apart and the Moderna 28 days apart. So depending on which vaccine um, was given, and we know that um, Boone Hospital declined the uh, Moderna vaccine because they wanted to make sure that small local hospitals in our state had access to it because it requires less storage, um, you know, temperature. The temperature doesn't have to be quite as low. So when you look at the Boone County Health Department's website, you know, not to say that, you know, Elizabeth and I know all, we don't. Um, but we try to keep up to date on as much information as out there that we can find that the public knows, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the Boone County website on what access and information do individuals who maybe work for a healthcare organization, maybe a dentist, uh, maybe home health, um, maybe an optometrist, what information do they have and what have they received from the health department on being able to get um, access to the vaccine, Planned Parenthood, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there is information on the vaccine on the website. There's a Q&A page that give on, on the Como Gov um, for the, there's the novel vaccine and there's a, a Q&A. And when you click on the Q&A to give you information, um, it's not super clear, like, because people have said, okay, do I have access to the vaccine yet? Um, so we are going with the long-term care facility and healthcare workers. Um, there is not a link that's visible on the website of if you want to contact the health department to get more information. But we do know that, you know, a lot of health organizations in our community have been emailed or snail mailed materials Um my dentist office called me yesterday, and I had a cleaning coming up, and I said, hey, have you guys got vaccinated yet? And they said, we haven't got access to the vaccine yet. We don't know how. Uh, we called our corporate office. And so, I, you know, I just decided to do a little research, and I called the next another dentist in town, and they said, um, we heard that you could call DNH and get the vaccine, but um, we haven't done it yet. 
Um, so I think Dr. Alleman has mentioned on past shows, but there is a Google form that the healthcare, uh, the health department has for healthcare workers to fill out to get access to the vaccine. And so on that Google form that, you know, I'm sure if, if you guys email Dr. Alleman, um, you, you can get um, uh, the link to that. Oh, I mean, maybe I shouldn't refer everybody to Dr. Alleman, but um, <laughs> so, but you know, just looking at that form. So that's a very, like, very important piece of information. I mean, the onus <laughs> is going to be on the vaccine; is not going to find you. Um, yes. <laughs> if, if, if you need service it. announcement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the question in our community is. For many people I'm hearing is who gets access to this vaccine. And so right now, based on the form, the type of health care that is it's being offered to that, you know, on the form, these are the check boxes. So family medicine, dental, orthodontics, optometry, medical provider, um, diagnostics, so lab, pathology, radiation or other. And so you can fill out this form and then the health department will contact you to let you know where to get the vaccine. Up until yesterday, I know that the DNH drugstore was who they, they were you know, working with. I don't know if there was an official contract. I don't know how that was working, but working with to um, to inoculate. Um, so, and I know Elizabeth went to DNH to get the vaccine. So, if you know somebody who is working at one of these optometrists, dentist office places in our community, I just say, ask them, hey, have you been offered the vaccine yet? I, I don't think that we want anybody to feel that it is required, right? It, it's not. It's not mandated. Um, but if if you qualify, you know, I, I want to make sure that people in our community know how to get access to it. Um, so the health department did say that there is a email address so covidvaccine at como.gov. So um, rather than just emailing Dr. Alleman, you can go straight to the source of the health department. So um, covidvaccine at como.gov and, and send your question. Say, you know, I work for a healthcare um, organization, haven't been offered the vaccine yet. I manage a healthcare organization. I'm the owner. Um, I know that the health department was planning on emailing out everybody with business license um, to get the information to. But, you know, Elizabeth and I had this interesting conversation that doctors don't have the same business license. And um, so they, they are licensed professionals, but they're licensed by the state and they don't necessarily have a city business license in that same way as um, most um, businesses in Columbia would. So how do we get the information out there, Peter, is really the question. Well, I mean, it's, yes, the onus is very much on uh, people who may not even consider themselves frontline workers, uh, offices mm -hmm. that may not even consider themselves, okay, we don't care for the elderly or something like this, fire department, police department, dentist's office, orthodontist's office, uh, any sort of healthcare provider, uh, you know, chiropractor's office, perhaps, anybody who will be receiving patients, um, the onus is somewhat on them to, if they qualify for the vaccine, uh, to see if they can get it and, and hopefully <clears throat> speed up this process from phase 1A to phase 1B, however it works. I mean, yes, it would be nice if the vaccine did find you. I mean, that, that would be just such a glorious, I mean, you would think back to 
the uh, the mobile vaccine trucks that were delivering the polio vaccine back in the fifties uh, <laughs> and sixties or something of that nature. <laughs> I, I doubt we'll see something like that um, this time around. If we do, it'll be quite some time. So, yeah, citizenry has its responsibilities as well uh, to assist uh, the government in getting through these these first few phases, so that the next phases can begin. Um, and in that, in that sense, in that vein, it is quite important for the right applications to be made, as you were talking about, by the various offices, I think. So lots more I want to cover before we have um, closing in the next six minutes. So I do want to state that the Boone County Health Department has reported a COVID-19 scam so that people are calling, posing as contact tracers and telling you that you have been potentially at in contact with a COVID-19 case and asking for your credit card information, including the three-digit security code on the back. Okay, general public, please know that contact tracers will never ask you for personal financial information. Okay, yeah. this is... Um, <laughs> not, yeah, I'm not exactly seeing the link, uh, how, the, uh, how your credit card relates to uh, potential exposure to COVID-19. Well, uh, I don't want to dismiss anybody who has been scammed by them, so... Um, Please know that contact tracers will not ask you for financial information. Um, you know, it could be they say, well, we want to see where your credit card was used to let you know if you were in the location uh, that a positive uh, person would be. I don't know what they're saying, yeah. Peter. I just know that they are using it as a scam. And so I want, you know, the listening area to be aware that there is a COVID-19 scam going on, asking for credit card information and that Boone County Health Department contact tracers will never ask you for such information. So last night, something maybe uh, historic happened in that, um, you know, the Georgia Senate race, right? So right now they have called it for Warnoff, and, you know, Ossoff right now is looking like uh, it's very likely that, and what that means is that the Democrats will take control of the Senate because, uh, you know, another historical moment that's only happened three times ever in the history of the country is the, the vice president. So this being, you know, Vice President Harris will be the, the deciding vote and that um, the Republicans will lose the majority. And so Mitch McConnell will no longer be uh, the Senate majority leader. So what does that mean for the virus and even Boone County? Like, how does that trickle all the way down and we connect that? And I think it's really interesting. You know, Missouri is one of eight states that still doesn't have a mask mandate, right? Mm. Um, And so that's just phenomenal, to to say the least. We're, you know, one of the few states that are just fully open with no business restrictions at a statewide level. So I want to take us back to think about other public health um, things that we connect, because the federal government can't commandeer the states. So they can't make the states do a mask mandate. But when we were thinking about seatbelt mandates or alcohol laws or even tobacco laws, what this, the federal government can do is they can do a carrot and stick and they can say, okay, we're going to do federal budget appropriations, but we're going to tie your appropriations to raising the age to 21 for alcohol, to requiring seatbelts to be worn, to you know, requiring you to do compliance checks on tobacco or you don't get this money. And so if the Democrats, which unfortunately this virus has been a very political divide, when you look across the map of Democrat and Republican states, 
the states that don't have a mask mandate right now all have a Republican governor. So could they, and I don't know if they will, Peter, but could they use some type of financial incentive to get states to require masks? They can't make the state pass a mask mandate, but they can definitely tie funding to it. So a new state report came out from our coronavirus task force. The White House Coronavirus Task Force for Missouri came out on January the 3rd. Again, they are still recommending that bars in the state of Missouri be closed. This is no different than they've been um, recommending for the last five, six months. Um, Indoor dining should be at 25% capacity. Um, That, you know, we're concerned about hospital admissions being at a very high rate. And so they are also, you know, the White House Coronavirus Task Force is obviously recommending a mask mandate for the state. People on the East Coast think we are nuts, um, that there is parts of the state that don't require it. And so they are saying that for um, K-12 to return, you should be doing active contact tracing and that for any universities, students on and off campus should be mandatory tested weekly. So I think that's that's interesting. We finally at the University of Missouri say that all students who are living on campus must be tested as they return, but we're not requiring off-campus testing. White House Coronavirus Task Force is recommending that to ensure universities return after winter break, move to mandatory weekly testing on all on and off campus. So Board of Education meets on Monday to decide whether the Columbia Public School comes back on the 19th, as they have currently proposed the plan to return all students back in person. So January 11th at 6.30 p.m., the Board of of Education will be making a decision on whether they truly bring the students back. That is all the time I really wanted to talk about where you can get a test in Boone County. And um, so I have posted that on my Facebook. I will share that with um, the listeners. So I'll share it with um, KOPN. I do want to say, so Dr. Richard um, Martinello, who is the professor at Yale, who did Um, who has been speaking on viral transmission and looking at the fact that the virus transmits up to 20 feet for that new study. He's going to be our guest next Wednesday. I am ecstatic that um, the Yale professor who does molecular biology and uh, transmission of respiratory viruses will be our guest on KOPN next week. We will also be talking in the upcoming um, weeks to Mike Lewandowski, who is the CPS science leader. And we are going to do maybe special um, uh, radio show on dating during the pandemic. I'm I'm trying to recruit a couple of people if they're brave enough. So that will probably be a show in the later part of January, early part of February. That I'm going over time, Peter. So thank you (laughs) so much. Thank you so very much, Jenny, for all of your hard work. Um, As we were remarking on some of our uh, end of the year uh, programs near the end of the year we've done over we've 140 programs of community pulse and it is worth emphasizing that uh, public health advocate jenny chadwick and dr elizabeth alleman our hosts uh, for community pulse are very much volunteers volunteering all of their free time to conduct this research and produce this program with us 
So thank you so much for joining us uh, for another edition of Unity Pulse. As Ginny was alluding to, we have some fantastic shows coming up. To reiterate the finer points of our discussion today, we were talking a little bit about the Sewer Shed Project. Um, that's an excellent resource, an excellent data resource that you can find online. We'll post a link to that on our Facebook profile. Also, uh, links to where you can find testing here in Boone County and how you or your office, your employer might apply for a COVID vaccine. Incredibly important as we were discussing. Um, <clears throat> the more people apply for it and request it, uh, the more people we can ultimately get inoculated and then get into other phases. That's an incredibly salient point of our discussion. At any rate, that does it for today. We wish you a pleasant weekend. We will be back with you live uh, Monday at 9 a.m. with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman and Mallory Daly. In the meantime, you can check out all of our 140 episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, our websites, and our Facebook feed. Please stay safe and stay informed. Columbia 51% is next. <laughs>